How to get started with LinkedIn ads with Anthony Blattner. The Strategic Marketing Show is brought to you by Insights for Professionals, providing access to the latest industry insights from trusted brands, all in a customized, tailored experience. Find out more over at insightsforprofessionals.com. Hey, it's David. Are you still holding off from giving LinkedIn ads a go? If so, hopefully today's conversation will help you get started. With a man who's worked with over 350 companies and managed over $100 million in LinkedIn ads. He's the managing director at Speedwork, a B2B marketing agency focusing on LinkedIn. A warm welcome to the Strategic Marketing Show, Anthony Blattner. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, Anthony, thanks for coming on. Well, you can find Anthony over at speedworksocial.com. So, Anthony, why LinkedIn ads? Uh, why LinkedIn ads? Um, I never expected to be focused on LinkedIn, but my background is in enterprise tech. I started my career doing software development at IBM years and years ago. So I think that background lent itself most to the B2B world and, and LinkedIn, therefore. So as I got into marketing after software development, I tried all the different platforms and found LinkedIn was the best platform for my for my background and have decided to since focus on LinkedIn. And I think LinkedIn's a great platform, especially for the B2B world, and it stands out in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, it's a great tool and people it continues to grow and more people use it. So you mentioned enterprise, you mentioned, mentioned SaaS, you mentioned B2B there. Uh, are those the, the main types of businesses that uh, LinkedIn ads is best for? Or can any type of business actually take advantage of LinkedIn ads? Uh, I, I would say it is best for a B2B type of business. Um, typically bigger bigger businesses or at least ones that have a high enough LTV for that uh, ROI to make sense. LinkedIn ads is definitely a more expensive platform to use versus like a Facebook just by like CPC and costs on those platforms. So generally you want to have at least a high enough LTV so that your ROI in the end is going to make sense. So usually we see you want your LTV to be above uh, 15k so that your metrics are going to work out. Rowan, okay, it's great having exact figures like that there. So where in general does LinkedIn ads fit into the bigger marketing picture? I mean, are we looking at um, fairly close to actually making that transaction? Or can we go quite far back in the bar journey? Yeah, so I'd say LinkedIn um, fits best in the top of funnel and middle of funnel parts of your funnel, where LinkedIn has the professional audience, the people that you want to reach. So it's a good way to go out there and get your message in front of those people. Um, LinkedIn's best when you have a, a niche professional that you want to target. For example, if you want to target HR directors at at mid-sized finance companies, you know, LinkedIn's probably the only place where you can build where you can find those people specifically. There's no way to target those people on Facebook or on Google um, because those are more like interest-based uh, platforms. Whereas on Facebook, you can type in direct titles, select specific industries and company sizes to find that type of target audience. So LinkedIn's great for being able to go out there and get known good traffic, get those people to your site, uh, and then also nurture them through your funnel. Uh, when you're asking for like, where does it fit in the funnel? You know, search ads are always going to be like the highest intent when someone's out there searching for you. So maximize your search channel. But then when you're looking to grow and um, go find new people, then social channels are great for that. Uh, so for top of funnel and middle of funnel, usually we see LinkedIn do best. So when you're talking about being hyper-focused with um, job title, perhaps working in a specific firm, 
is it important to to match that focus on who you're targeting with also the creative of, of, of what you're publishing? Um, i.e. should you mention things like, are you an HR manager within the ad creative and perhaps that in the landing page as well? Absolutely. Uh, so matching that up is what's going to make your ads perform best. Campaigns are going to have a quality score they get assigned to them. So the closer that you match up who you're targeting with the creative that you're serving, um, LinkedIn usually grades you based on like engagement rates. You know, are people engaging with your ads? That's a sign that you know they want what it is that you're talking about. Also, that your ads aren't getting reported for bad things. But mostly, it's based off engagement metrics. So if your ads are getting high engagement metrics, that's a very positive sign for LinkedIn. So if you're targeting HR directors at finance companies, use imagery that supports that. You know, have backgrounds of people that maybe look at they work at a finance company. If you're in HR, you're probably people working with people in your imagery, uh, and then. And you're messaging to you know call them out in that ad, so it's very clear like this is who you're talking to. Uh, that's a great way to grab someone's attention. So yeah, match up your imagery and your ad copy as close as possible with your audience, um, and then at you know as you build out your personas, you might have a couple different uh, customer segments that you want to target. So maybe finance companies is one, maybe tech companies is another, and maybe if you're doing startups at tech companies, they kind of have their own image of what a startup looks like. Might be like some younger people in like an open office workspace, maybe like a WeWork type of environment. You might use that type of imagery when you're targeting those people. Lots of lots of research out there that shows people are most are going to engage most with imagery that reflects them. So yeah, match up your ad creative to your audience and that's going to give you the best performance. Um, so uh, a few follow-up questions. Uh, obviously, you mentioned um, the fact that you can target uh, middle of funnel, um, bottom of funnel as well. Uh, you talked about imagery there as well. Um, I mean, what's the difference between creative that works middle of funnel versus bottom of funnel? Yeah, so breaking up the different stages of the funnel, uh, it's Half of, part of it is the awareness level of somebody in that audience, and then half of it is like, what is your creative talking about? So in the top of the funnel, you have people who aren't aren't really aware of you. Maybe they've never seen your ad before. They're not familiar with your name. They don't know who, what you do. And then as a, a once you get through the funnel and you're a very aware person, you know what the brand is, you maybe know the product or service, maybe you know their price and you're considering it. So in top of funnel ads, you talk about the person and their problems and maybe things that they're working on, maybe current events in their industry and stuff like that, uh, because they're not aware, they don't know your name yet. So your, na your name, your product or service doesn't mean anything to them yet. So talk about their pain points and stuff that they're dealing with. As you get into the middle of funnel and bottom of funnel, you can talk more, you can introduce more your product or service, whether you put a name to it or it's just the general product or service that you that you perform. And then in the bottom of the funnel, people have been to your site. They know what you're offering. Maybe they've had a conversation with their sales team. And then you want to talk about, about you, your benefits, and how you're different from other people. Maybe you start to have testimonials that supports, you know, the social proof and that testimonials, reviews, and other things to support your brand there in the bottom of the funnel. So what if you have a conversation with a brand who are already uh, advertising on LinkedIn, but they're just focusing on bottom of the funnel. They, they've done okay. They're interested in perhaps exploring a little bit more about um, getting more creative, getting more targeted, and also experimenting with middle of funnel and top of funnel. But they're concerned about actually how you track that user and measure the success of top of funnel and middle of funnel. Uh, how do you respond that, uh, to that? Can you actually track someone um, who perhaps takes months before making that final purchase decision? Definitely gets a lot more complicated uh, the more top of funnel that you go with it because there's yeah. there's a lot that happens out there in the average user journey. 
people are doing their own research. Maybe other people are talking about it on other social channels or on not easily trackable channels. So it gets a little more hairy, but there's a, there's a few things that do help with that. Number one is, is the basic conversion tracking that you can do automatically. So platforms like HubSpot will automatically add UTMs to all your ads, and then HubSpot can help you track this person came from this ad, maybe they came back again later from this other ad, and there's some automatic, automatic tracking that you can do there. In LinkedIn, the platform, you can set up conversions. So maybe if somebody booked a call, or maybe if they downloaded this resource, you can track that conversion so that you know the different conversions that are happening on your campaigns, what's the stages someone's going through. But then there is so much that can happen out there. People could be talking about you on Slack or on a private you know, Facebook group or LinkedIn group, and that's not as easily trackable. So something that's useful there is doing self-reported attribution where on maybe that demo form or that request a call form, you say, simply, how did you hear about us? And then it's always interesting to see the responses people put there. Some people don't even remember how they initially heard about you, but then some people are like, oh yeah, that podcast you did. Uh, I saw that episode and after I heard that episode, I wanted to go book a call. And it's interesting to see that service, whereas like that is not easily trackable by a CRM. So uh, yeah, a combination of like automatic attribution and then self-reported attribution. Yeah, I think it's really important for you to highlight the self-reported attribution because I think there are many contact forms on on websites, on, on services that actually don't have the facility or don't ask anyone where do you actually hear us from. And um, you're missing out on the opportunity to actually take a, a lot of great data in there as well and perhaps actually justify the <laughs> expenditure um, of, of, of different ads uh, that you're, you, you're publishing out there. What about um, calls to action on your ads? Are you seeing any trends in terms of what CTAs actually are performing best at the moment? Yeah, I think that goes back to, or what we always see is that it goes back to the funnel stages as well, where in a, a top of funnel ad where somebody doesn't know much about you, then the softer CTAs are what work better there because you can't ask somebody to book a call or schedule a demo if they don't know who you are yet. So there's some stages people need to go through to get there. Whereas if you run your demo ads to your to a cold audience, you're gonna see a very low conversion rate, very low click-through rate because no one's ready to click on an ad or book a call with a company they've never heard of before. Depends on your market and your industry. If you have something that's very appealing that you're offering, there's certain things you can do differently. But in general, um, you, somebody needs to know who you are and what you offer before they're ready for that bottom of funnel CTA. So I wouldn't say things have like changed a lot recently with that, but being aware of the different stages of your funnel so that if it's a cold audience, be a little bit uh, softer on those CTAs. It's more of like a learn more about us or more learn more about this problem we've been discussing in the ad. For those, we see you know downloading a case study often does well where you can talk about the case study and then offer that to people because they're going to be interested in that case study, that result that person got in that case study. And then getting into the bottom of the funnel, that's where you can start to introduce the book a call now or schedule a demo type of CTAs. And then once someone's been to your site, then that's, that ad works a lot better for bringing them back to schedule that call. So if a marketer works for a big enterprise uh, company and that company is reasonably well known and they haven't got started with the LinkedIn ads first, what type of LinkedIn ad would be best to get started with? Would it be middle of funnel, um, still pushing that um, just, just brand awareness really and um, uh, the content a little bit more or, or for that kind of firm, is it, is it reasonable just to go straight to bottom of funnel with the, the first ad that they try? 
Yeah, that's a good question. There's a lot of ways you can go with that. Um, I'd say for most people to show success or at least show some proof of success in their campaign, if they're just testing out LinkedIn, I think the easiest way is to run a very simple lead gen campaign to do that. So choose your best case study or your best guide or resource, put that into a lead gen campaign using a, a lead capture form so that you can capture leads using LinkedIn from there, you'll see the type of people that are submitting that form to download that. At that point, it's captured to be a lead. You know, If it's a lead bank, it's a very low intent lead, but it's something that you can at least show proof of. And then you can see what are the different job titles and companies that these people are coming from that can show you proof of just initial success of that campaign just to start testing LinkedIn. So if I was to you know, start building a funnel fresh, I'd probably start with you know my retargeting campaigns first, and those do tend to be more bottom of funnel type of campaigns. But if you're a marketer out there just looking to test LinkedIn as a channel, want to show stakeholders just some initial success, I would start with a very simple lead gen campaign, show them a few leads that you've captured, and then from there, build out the rest of your funnel around that. And what kind of minimum initial budget would you recommend? Yeah, usually... The, the minimum that we see success with is about 3000 per month. You don't need that full 3000 for your initial test. You can get by with like about 1000 to 2000 for that initial test, um, maybe even lower than that. But uh, on a monthly basis, usually around 3000 is where you're going to see the algorithm start working for you and getting enough data that you can make decisions based off of. So kind of your minimum viable lead gen uh, funnel is two audiences, so you can split test them, two offers, so maybe choosing two different lead magnets, maybe a case study and a guide, and then underneath there, maybe two to three ads for each of those, and then that'll set up a couple different split tests for you to run for a couple weeks, see performance data there, and then capture a few leads based off of, and then yeah, that initial test, about 1,000 to 2,000 will get you some data there. And you also mentioned um, to me that you've been working with a new SaaS platform in the recruiting space and that um, you've been increasing their ad spend from about $10,000 a month to about 35k a month. And from that, you've added about $1.5 million to their pipeline in the first year. So certainly sounds like a very successful campaign opportunity that you've got going there. Could you maybe share a few things in terms of um, how you went about it and um, how you've improved things and um, I guess how you measure success, things like that? Sure. So I remember kind of first taking over this account and they had some okay running campaigns, but they were pretty basic and their cost, their initial like cost per lead was very high. Their engagement rates were pretty low. So what we did was we broke down the different parts of the funnel and uh, we split out first kind of the initial lead capture stages, get some really good case studies and some really good guides that seemed very appealing. And the, the conversion rates were just kind of too low on that. So I was like, all right, how can we get this more honed in? So it starts with being more specific on who you want to target. Being more specific on your targeting helps the rest of your funnel because you know you're getting the best people through the funnel. So starting with good audience, um, what we did is we started by layering on different skills that these recruiters might have. Initially, the targeting was just like very broadly HR, which there's a lot of people in HR, some do recruiting, some don't. So when you have that big audience and you're targeting them broadly, there's a lot of people that aren't clicking on your ads because they're just not interested. So, so your CTRs are lower. So sorry, sorry, just to jump in there for a second there, when you're talking about layering on some skills, obviously within a LinkedIn profile, um, you can highlight skills or people can uh, upvote skills, I believe, that you have as an individual. Are those the kind of um, options that are available within LinkedIn ads, the platform that you can select from? Yep, exactly. So different skills that either someone's going to list themselves on their profile or other people are going to endorse them for. It's a good way to kind of get more niche into different areas. So what you can do is use 
different job title and company targeting to kind of get to that uh, role that you're targeting. And for this case, we were doing HR function of like manager and above seniority. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of people in that. So what we did is we added skills on top of that. So skills is one. And then groups are another good one where if people are joining certain groups on LinkedIn, that indicates they're joining that group for a reason. Maybe there's a topic that they're interested in. So we chose different recruiting groups to add into that uh, targeting as well. So what we did is we took the big HR audience and we cut it a lot more targeted onto specific recruiter type of people, people with those skills. And then we also split tested that with taking the HR function and we chose specific uh, talent acquisition and other recruiting job titles so that we were specifically targeting those job titles that were more specifically into like the recruiting um, function. So taking those two campaigns, it starts with like honing your targeting. From there, we saw, you know, engagement rates go really increase a lot, which LinkedIn then gives you higher quality scores, lets you bid a lot lower. So what we did was we were able to decrease our cost per click a lot. And then from there, conversion rates went up and the cost per lead went way down. So for that stage of the funnel, we were able to capture leads. I think it was about like two to three times cheaper than it was previously. So they got them that many more leads in the start of the funnel there. And then once you have that many more people coming into the funnel, that's going to improve the rest of your metrics. But adding in the retargeting campaigns, what we did was we started to build out all those different ads. And if you think about, you know, what's all the different content you have, what are the different angles that you can talk about that are the different benefits and features that your software offers? Think about what are the different questions people ask typically in your sales process? What other, what testimonials do you have that you can share? You know, all this stuff is probably on your website, but People scroll around and they skim. So how do I keep these ads in front of people so that I can educate them? You know, what are the different features we have? What are the benefits of using the software? What are the results other people have gotten? That builds a lot of awareness and social proof. So then when we use our retargeting ad for a demo, that's going to convert a lot better. And then those people that do get on the demo, they've seen a lot more ads. They know a lot more about the platform and it's a lot faster of a sale. You know, in B2B SaaS, it's still, the sales cycle is still quite long, but it helps shorten that down. And people get on those calls, they're a lot more excited. They have a lot better questions to ask. And then just kind of helps the overall process from there. And th th there's a pixel as well that you can track users um, kind of getting to your website as well. Does that mean that you actually try and um, also, um, I guess, advise clients to, 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 to run campaigns on other platforms, maybe Facebook, uh, and generate awareness elsewhere based upon um, who have been uh, pixels um, on, your, on your LinkedIn tracking code? Um, or is it just as effective just to focus on LinkedIn ads and, and, and not necessary to use other platforms at the same time? Yeah, it's a, it's a big ecosystem out there of different ad platforms, different websites people are going to visit. So no reason to limit yourself to LinkedIn. The way I like to structure it is that use LinkedIn to acquire high quality traffic of the people that you know you want to target get them to your website that way. And then once they're on your site, you can track them with a Facebook pixel, a Google retargeting pixel. That opens you up to then be able to use those retargeting platforms to retarget those people. Because um, LinkedIn, sure, people check it only, only so often. Uh, people scroll Facebook more, and then people are Googling things more. So why not retarget them on those other platforms? Uh, Google Display and Facebook do tend to be cheaper. 
So use LinkedIn to acquire your high quality traffic and then, you know, continue that user journey over cheaper means. As you capture leads, sending emails is, you know, essentially free. So acquire high quality traffic on LinkedIn, retarget them on other platforms. You had mentioned the pixel. Uh, it would actually be, you know, different pixels that you're using there where yeah, your yeah. website should have, should have the Facebook pixel, the Google pixel. LinkedIn does have their own. Um, but make sure you have all the pixels on your site so that when somebody gets there, you can then retarget them over other platforms. I have also had lots of people talk about kind of brand considerations where maybe you just don't want your brand to show up on Facebook. So, you know, maybe you can choose your platform based on where you want your brand to be showing up. But um, yeah, if someone gets to your site, then use those other platforms where you're targeting because it's probably going to be cheaper on those other platforms. Great advice. Yeah. And as a marketer, make sure you've got those tracking pixels on your website. If you, the longer you have them on your website, the the more people you're able to retarget and the bigger an audience that you'll, you'll have to market to certainly. But um. Let's move on from that. Um, let's move on from works. what works now to planning for the future. So in your opinion, what's the biggest marketing trend or challenge for marketers over the coming year? So I'd say the biggest trend is the conversation around demand gen marketing. It's kind of become a buzzword at this point, but essentially what demand gen marketing uh, means is the transition from from lots of gated content and download this guide and resource. And, and while I did talk about that as being an effective tool, you don't want it to be your only tool in your toolbox. And that the, the transition to demand gen marketing is about using more in-feed content to educate people so that they can learn more about you that way. Given a lot of the privacy changes that have happened to like Apple devices, there's a lot less tracking you can do off-platform. So uh, we're kind of losing a lot of signals there. So demand gen is put that content that might have been on your website, put it into a LinkedIn post or put it into a video on LinkedIn, there's also a lot of drop-off that happens from clicking off a site to go to another site. So it's actually a lot more effective to educate somebody on the platform, You know, whether it is LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, put that content on platform so that somebody consumes it there and then they, they learn that about you. So demand gen is that shift from doing too much gated content to educating the buyer more. Um, I think it's a, it's a good approach overall and that all companies should be doing that. Um, but you know, don't totally get rid of lead gen and your gated content, but make sure it's only like your really high quality resources that, that someone you know, has a reason to sign up for. Use those to gate, uh, but then use more of the in-feed content to educate people. Great advice and conversation in itself, perhaps we could have that as a topic in a, in a future episode of the Strategic Marketing Show. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Anthony over at speedworksocial.com. Anthony, thanks so much for being on the Strategic Marketing Show. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening. Here at IFP, our goal is simple. To connect you with the most relevant information to help solve your business problems all in one place. InsightsforProfessionals.com